Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Well, a premature... It's not premature, but a Merry Christmas to everybody and a Happy New Year. It is the Bauer and Rose podcast on JustTheNews.com and the Bauer and Rose show on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125, where we are thrilled to be back on Sundays. If you're a podcast listener, if, well, if you're a podcast listener, then obviously you figured out how to listen to us in podcasts. If you're a Sirius XM listener and want our podcasts, Go to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your uh, podcasts, and give us a five-star rating, and more importantly, recommend uh, us to your friends, and hit that subscribe button. So, uh, Now, Tom, are we, I, you know, I'm challenged when it comes to, uh, I still, I have a beautiful, Carol and I have a beautiful television set. We've never actually been able to change the channel. <laughs> That's because you have to you have to get out of the lazy boy. Yeah, remember how you used to have to change the literally physically get up and change the channel. I am the lazy boy, Uh, (laughs) and uh, but I can't work the. Every time I try to do it, I'm turning on either the microwave or shutting off the outside lights. We have a bunch of remotes. I can't figure out where. And the last channel that it was on was PBS, so we can't turn that on. <laughs> so, so I, we, if you, this stuff about you know, the podcast and go here wherever you go for it. Now, is there a category should they should look for for shows? Like, are we under conspiracy theorists? We're under like that. We're under uh, Judeo-Christian conspiracy. There you go. Yes, I like. Well, that's the, what we call the show. The Judeo-Christian yeah. conspiracy. We ought, we ought to cause it, call it that. Well, you know, in some ways, um, the whole trip by, you know, and I say this as a Christian, the whole trip by Joseph Mary to Bethlehem to give birth to Jesus was not a conspiracy theory, but it, it, it actually happened. But there was a lot of conspiracy going on. I mean, it was a tough trip. You know, people were out to kill him and, you know, a bunch of babies got slaughtered by an evil king because he kept hearing these reports that there was going to be this special person uh, born and so forth. And uh, uh, anyway, so it just fits right in. You're listening to the Bauer and Rose podcast brought to you by our good friends and partners at JustTheNews.com and SiriusXM, the Patriot Channel 125. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. 
It is the Bauer and Rose podcast on justthenews.com and the Bauer and Rose show on Sirius XM, the Patriot, Channel 125, where we are thrilled to be back on Sundays. By the way, Tom, I, I am more angry this morning than I've been in a long time. And that's we, that. I got to interject. You, that, that's saying something. Because when, when Bauer is in a good mood, he growls. Yeah. I'm the guy that when you when you I walk in a garden, all the flowers wilt, you know, because they feel the anger and it's not good for their health. Uh, The FBI, after weeks of silence, issued a statement yesterday uh, reacting to the disclosures out of Twitter. And the statement basically says there, there is nothing unusual here. This the FBI routinely works with all sorts of corporations and private entities in order to share information and uh, to make sure that they're not taken in by uh, various efforts to hurt them or to hurt the country. This is this is what we do. This is our assignment. Uh, it, it is a shame. It, it's a, a very sorry thing to see conspiracy theorists using these reports on just normal FBI operations uh, in order to hurt the agency. Tom, if anybody thinks that the problem at the FBI is a few rotten apples, they need to have their head checked. No, it's it's more serious than that. These are, it is a, a well-organized, extremely well-funded quasi-gang with badges. I mean, they have become, it's, this is literally what Orwell writes about. It's what Arthur Kessler wrote about in Darkness at Noon, about creeping authoritarianism, creeping totalitarianism, where none of these people, with the exception, I think, of Christopher Ray, I'm not sure, uh, how deep it goes in terms of Senate confirmation or any public accountability for senior officials at the FBI. But the culture is, the culture is, we are the largest police organization in the world. We are accountable basically to no one. We have our own theories and our own views. We're separate from the president, even though this president is is married to them. I mean, look what they did when Donald Trump was president. That's the whole yeah. point, right? It is. Yes. Go ahead. No, that is that is the whole point, Tom. And no one should write this off. I mean, and I I mean no one. I I you know you and I have a lot of friends that if Donald Trump doesn't run or even if he well. If Donald Trump doesn't stay in the race, if Donald Trump looks like he might not be a walk-in for the nomination, who may very well run? Uh, you know, there's a lot of people. Mike Pompeo, you know, Nikki Haley, who I know, our good friend Mike Pence. There, there are many, many people out there that we admire, and you know, they they have pluses, they have minuses, and so forth. I've been particularly close uh, to Mike Pence over the years. And I know he's, they're all good. You and I are good law and order guys. We've always erred on the side of being on the side of, of law enforcement. But we have to acknowledge that one of the great problems that all of history shows in every society, every society tries to have order. Every society tries to have a, a, a modicum of safety so that commerce can go on so people can live their lives and they do it in different ways you know 
we're a society in the West in general where we've tried to do that while having a balance so that it doesn't get out of control. It's out of control. Who watches the watchers? That is a set. That is a question that every free republic has to ask. Nobody's watching the watchers. And the people that try to watch the watchers, including members of Congress, get their butts kicked by the deep state where you have the FBI getting mining the personal information on people that were investigating them. That is forbidden. That cannot be allowed. And I wonder, Tom, is is there a majority of the Republicans in Congress that are going to be willing to go after the corruption in the FBI, knowing that if they do so, something they did in 1989 might end up becoming public or some woman that, uh, you know, they paid for her abortion or some woman might be willing to come forward and say that you paid for her abortion. I mean, if you have an agency that's willing to use the mistakes that people make or even to make up things to get people the way they made up uh, in their own way the the dossier and took it to a federal FISA court that's supposed to provide some oversight and got an illegitimate um, legal authority to monitor elements of the Trump campaign. This we are in deep deep water. If I hear one Republican next year say, well, of course we need to do investigations, but that's not more important than, you know, and then name some, you know, obscure public policy issue. What is more important than making sure that federal authorities, federal law enforcement, people that we are, that we have authorized to keep us safe from our enemies, What's more important than the reality that they've become enemies, those agencies have, of half of America? Well, now, absolutely 100 percent right. The, the elixir here, the missing piece, the missing link um, in your excellent takedown of what is becoming a super state that is not accountable to, to the people is the media, right? And narrative is everything. The media is still able to completely control narratives despite their collapsing ratings. CNN ratings down 90%, yet nonetheless, they and the New York Times are entities that, that drive other organizations. Uh, they've got no credibility, yet the people in power turn to them, rely on them, and in many instances, it's the media that's driving the, the government, uh, bureaucratic process, the narrative to push, to pursue. The left doesn't doesn't win anymore because its positions are more popular. It wins because it controls all the levers of power. And more importantly, or if not more importantly, then certainly right up there, is their ability to suppress, ignore, or deny major stories like this one. The Twitter yeah. file dump, now we're on number eight. I, I, I'm two behind. I'm only on number six right now. Isn't even being covered by big... It's not even being covered. What's being covered are the 
utterly tangential aspects of the story that make Elon Musk look unfavorable. His He, I guess it was on Monday, disbanded some committee uh, inside Twitter on standards as though that committee were really committed to standards. In fact, it was committed to promoting Democrat candidates, left-wing ideas. I mean, Elon Musk buys Twitter, and the meme then is that fascists bought Twitter and fascists are demanding free speech. Now, if that isn't an Alice in Wonderland conversion, inversion, diversion of reality, I don't know what is. It's funny now, isn't it, that only us fascists, only us Judeo-Christian conspiracists uh, want free speech. Free speech doesn't mean that uh, the right ideas, let alone the best ideas, are going to win out. What free speech does mean, or should mean, is that the alternative won't be an authoritarian system, a totalitarian system that imposes the worst ideas. The whole point of free speech, and that's what the real threat is here, and we're going to go through uh, some some pre-selected questions, end-of-the-year questions, one of which is man of the year, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll throw it out to you now. Um, it's not Vladimir Zelensky, although he would, he would come in second. It's Elon Musk. Um, the whole point of free speech isn't or shouldn't be that it rewards good speech or punishes or uh, suppresses bad speech, but that it prevents one group, any group, even us, from exi- for example, from controlling your speech by having a monopoly on speech. That's what the left wants. The left wants a monopoly on speech. The left wants you to shut up. Stanford University, I'm sure you've heard the story, it was leaked because even they were embarrassed by their new speech codes. Uh, the university website, uh, all documents related to Stanford, a whole new list of banned words. Pretty soon, everything will be banned, and that's the point, so that students are muted. Students won't have any ability to say anything, and that's, and that's the point. Yeah, you know, Tom, I mean, in, in its own way, the entire Constitution is a document that is attempting to protect the American people from our government. I mean, the the Bill of Rights is a series of rights that government cannot touch. The When I hear somebody say, and I hear it often when I'm talking to young Americans, which is the scariest thing about this, well, I'm for free speech, but did you hear what that guy said? That was disgusting. Well, it's disgusting speech. It's controversial speech it's speech critical of the government it's speech that goes against the crowd it's speech that is unpopular that needs a guarantee for freedom of the speech if only the speech that's allowed is the speech that everybody agrees with you don't have to write down freedom of speech because nobody threatens that speech so it's a it's a very fundamental question which i think is now widely not understood the younger you are as an American. Tom, how deep this media censorship already is. One example. Yesterday, I'm, I'm uh, watching CNBC, and they're having a panel discussion. Uh, so it's a couple of their hosts, one of whom is a conservative, and then a couple of their guests. So there was one conservative, the other host, this sort of leans left, and the two guests were, you know, they, they were lefty economic types. And 
th- this discussion went on for a good 40 minutes. They talked about an attack, of course, um, Musk management style. They talked about how uh, his um, involvement with Twitter was hurting the stockholders of Tesla because Tesla's stock was going down. Well, breaking news, all stocks have been going down. <laughs> uh, it's just one thing after that. Yes, but he did this. Well, he's lost his customers and he's alienated the people that use the platform. They went on for 40 minutes. They got into things, Tom, that were so esoteric. And that entire 40 minutes, they managed to not say one word about the release of these tranches of emails that showed the FBI and Twitter working together before. How do you do? Seriously, somebody had to tell them at CNBC, okay, let's do this item on Musk and the lousy job he's doing on Twitter, but don't bring up the the, the, the tweets about it show the working together. Off limits, don't bring it up. The only thing that the conservative guy uh, said at the very end of this conversation was, well, he said, I'll just make one observation some people won't, won't like. I like Twitter a lot more now than I did a couple of months ago. That was the only thing he felt confident to say without getting, you know, in trouble. I, I, with is, this is inside the weeds, but is, is Joe Kernan really a conservative anymore? I mean, I watch the show. I, I find it valuable in certain aspects, except when Andrew Ross, you know, jackass uh, starts spewing but I, anyway look i mean this is the well, si- I, I think he's a i think he's um oh i think he's a horse that's been put back in the barn, barn wet you know he's been ridden hard i'm sure there have been multiple behind the scene controversies and he's probably at that stage in life where he's got to be thinking about his retirement and how much how many more years does he have there and so forth and he's got kids that still put through college and you're just uh, chilling for him because he's from Cincinnati well well and any guy that eats Cincinnati chili is a friend of mine (laughs) (laughs) you're listening to the Bauer and Rose podcast brought to you by our good friends and partners at justthenews.com and Sirius XM the Patriot channel 125 Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It is the Bauer and Rose podcast on justthenews.com and the Bauer and Rose show on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125. The Democrat media government establishment, and that's what we really have here, is this cabal. It's not even a cabal because it's so big. And the notion that it's a conspiracy, I think, also almost misses the point. Because when everybody agrees with each other, you don't really need a conspiracy. If I'm uh, uh, deeply committed to taking away your right to dissent, and the other guy over there is also deeply committed to taking away your right to dissent, the two of them don't necessarily need to collude 
because they agree with each other and they're pursuing the same aim. The, the, that's why you've got this unanimous wall-to-wall uh, Democrat government media establishment position that any question about anything related to the integrity of the 2020 election is ipso facto evidence of treason, ipso facto evidence of insurrection. You see, only Democrats get to dispute elections that they lose. And when we do the same with far greater justification than they have, in fact, it's treason. Now, that doesn't sound very American to me. It's the same media that spent years explaining why mishandled classified information by Hillary Clinton was no big deal. And now they're, tra- you know, the Jan 6 committee and the Mar-a-Lago raids, it's the great threat to Republicans. And you and I have talked about this. This goes way beyond Donald Trump. This, is, this almost has nothing to do with Donald Trump because whoever emerges post-Donald Trump, whether it's after a second Trump term or whether it's now, will get the same Trump treatment. Yeah, the- Tom, that right there, let me, I'm sorry to interrupt. That, that is, so, what you just said is so important because there is this refrain, and quite frankly, Trump himself adds to it. When the left does something and Trump says, they hate me so much, they'll do anything. It's not him. I know he wants the thing. Now, they particularly and specifically hate him a lot. Sure. But they, what they hate is the whole concept that he represented. And they hate the millions of Americans that have been voiceless for decades. The Republican Party has not represented in any realistic way the millions of blue-collar Americans that lost their jobs because they were sent to communist China, that, that they were the losers in this great march to globalism, you know, the march to globalism that right now is resulting in mothers who just uh, six, seven months ago couldn't get baby formula because it was out, now can't get baby Tylenol for their baby's fevers because we're relying on supplies that don't originate in the United States. These people have been messed over forever. They've been messed over so long, they have concluded that they are, this is the natural way of life in America. You you know, among uh, particularly working class people through the Midwest and um uh, up into parts of the the, uh, the the Northeast and so forth, they are more pessimistic about the future, even than uh, many religious or many American minorities are. Uh, Tom, I remember they should when, be. Yes, I, I remember when Democrats like Bobby Kennedy used to go to states like Kentucky and Tennessee and West Virginia and compete for those votes by telling them you're being left behind. These Appalachian whites and we're going to represent you. I'm going to represent you. Bobby Kennedy was loved in many of those areas. But anyway, I've, I've gone far afield. So, it, you know, I, I was saying the other day to people, I can't believe, you know, these Democrat, four Democrat congressmen just wrote a letter to Facebook saying, don't you dare allow Trump back up on Facebook. And, uh, and I mentioned this to somebody and they said, well, Gary, that's just Trump. I mean, they hate Trump and they're not going to let him back on Facebook or any of these platforms. And I go, whoa, whoa, you you think if they get away with not letting Trump back up, that they're going to let DeSantis up? I mean, look, it was a brilliant interruption of my uh, great point, and it was excellent, and I 
thank you and our listeners thank you for interrupting me on that. But don't think for a second, and this just goes to support uh, the point of your interruption. <laughs> my best stuff is my interruptions. Right? Whoever emerges in 2024, 2028, don't kid yourself. The FBI will be raiding their homes. They'll be hitting them with subpoenas. They'll be wiretapping their phones. The media will be following them around looking. Look, Obama used the DOJ to spy on Trump in 2016. Biden did the same thing in 2020. On his very first day in office, Trump was under surveillance. When law enforcement becomes an arm of one political party, or in this sense, a movement, leftism, you're not living in a democracy anymore. You're living in a police state. And that's precisely what the left seems to be celebrating. I don't, we don't need to rehash everything that's already happened. The FBI illegally got a warrant to spy on the Trump campaign. They got it from a corrupt court, the FISA court. Is that a conspiracy? Technically, it's not a conspiracy because they both agree with each other. Why would they need to collude in advance? They falsified four warrant applications that we know of, which means it's probably more, right? Uh, Loretta Lynch, you yeah. know, meets meets Bill Clinton on the airport tarmac uh, the day before Hillary is formally exonerated. Eight, ten weeks before the 2016. Wow. I had ele- forgotten that, Tom. Yeah, 2020, 2016 election. Uh, and then, of course, you know, it's the whole Hunter Biden thing. And I don't even like uh, it being called the Hunter Biden thing because it's not really Hunter Biden. It's Joe Biden. The FBI's had that laptop since 2019. They've had it for three years. The case against him now supposedly it's in his, what, fifth year. It is a it really it's an active investigation? No, it's not an active investigation. It's a protection racket. Uh, You know, spying on the first campaign, spreading fake dossiers, lying to FISA courts, uh, framing, you know, his incoming team. Remember Mike Flynn, uh, two years of of, uh, Russia impeachment. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just hard to, it's, it's, it's hard to overstate the severity of the crisis that we're in. Michael Anton wrote a great piece a couple, three months ago in the Claremont Review of Books, which, by the way, reminds me I have to uh, renew because apparently they want to get paid for the subscription. And Yeah, well, being conservatives, <laughs> they do believe in the profit motive. <laughs> for some reason, they seem to think that I should pay. Um, he, he had made a great point in this piece that you and I have talked about in the past. If you take Trump out of the picture the Trump personality, his agenda was well within the bipartisan mainstream. They made it uh, well outside of the establishment regime's core interests, and that's what threatened them. The trade deals, the open borders, this international adventurism um, that hurts so many Americans helps them. As much as they hate Trump, and you pointed this out, they do hate him, um, This isn't about Trump alone. They can't allow Trump back because they can't allow the Trump agenda back. Yeah, Tom. And look, we've seen them give this treatment to others that who began to rise above the crowd. Uh, You know, they're they're already starting to do it with DeSantis. And I I would actually say to anybody that uh, wants to be the next Republican president, if you're not getting attacked by the left, then you're probably not doing anything right. 
I mean, you if you're not getting attacked, then you're not in the battle because they are they they have put together a killing machine. Only the brave need apply for this assignment of being the next Republican presidential contender. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Tom, there was an article in The Washington Post, and I believe it was an intentional leak. It said that there, there had already been set up a massive, well-funded operation to investigate the Republicans coming in next year that were going to be investigating the Biden administration. And I think it's being headed I, – I think – David Frum is the guy that's gone way left, oh, right? Oh, God. Yeah, the Canadian yeah, guy that you, was a George Bush yeah. writer and all that. Yeah, I, I, think it, I think it's him. I apologize to David it is, Frum. It, if it's, it, it, you know what? Don't apologize because if it wasn't him, he, we he can trash him be. for many other reasons. Right. So, But they've got $20 million in the bank. And uh, they said, you know, uh, Congressman Comer from Kentucky, uh, you know, he better look out because there's a few things we've already got, Uh, you know, and they they started naming people. And, uh, you know, uh, Jordan, you know, Jordan from Ohio, who's been uh, out there. I mean, they tried to take him down a couple of years ago on something that happened. That's what they do. It was was some scandal in the Ohio State Athletics Department when he was an assistant wrestling coach. And he did a scandal that had nothing to do with him at all. But the fact that's the point. They can't go after. First of all, they they hate us because of our policies and our politics and our values, but they can't destroy us on the basis of that, which is why they have to destroy us personally. I don't know whether you saw this, the New Yorker, <laughs> it, it's funny, the New Yorker did some attempted takedown of DeSantis, they found someone from his Yale baseball team who said he loved embarrassing people, especially those on the other team. I'm speaking for others, right? Well, he he's the, dead. Well, he's dead. That's it. He's over. What about... Oh, DeSantis is so yesterday. Well, what about... And then the New York Times, was it on Sunday? Sunday or Monday, did a report um, on his time uh, when he worked as a, as a baseball coach uh, after college at a prep school. And one black student said that uh, uh, he was mean to her, so he's a racist. Um, and it also mentioned, and this I'm surprised hasn't been picked up, it also mentioned that while in college, uh, Ron DeSantis attended at least two parties, not just one, two, that served alcohol. Alcohol? <laughs> no, I mean, you see what I mean? The, yes, this, I do see what yeah. you mean. I, I mean, uh, remember when uh, uh, former Governor Perry was uh, running for the nomination, and it was before his famous mistake about uh, there are three agencies I would get rid of, so I don't want to revisit that. But I, I did learn once again. You know, I don't, rem- I don't remember a, him now either, so. I never never, uh, never say a number before the number of things you're getting ready to say, because anyway. Uh, but he was getting some traction, and there was a front-page story in the Washington Post that he regularly went hunting at a ranch in Texas and outside the gate of the ranch, there was a rock off to the side, and etched on the rock was some somebody had written, uh, you know, 130 years ago, something that had racial overtones. 
And the Post could find no evidence that Governor Perry, when he would go to that ranch multiple times over the years, ever objected to that rock and what was written on it. And this was front page Washington Post. I mean, that is the level. Look And look, you know, George W. Bush sitting down here in Texas smugly out of the battle, never raised a finger in this last campaign to help anybody over the finish line. You had Democrat former presidents campaigning all over the country, not George W. He didn't even help John McCain in 08. Nope. George W. not saying a word about what these intelligence agencies are doing. Never criticized Obama, never once in eight years. Right. That's exactly right. So, and what did they do to George W. Bush when he was president? When a guy, a poor black man, was dragged behind a pickup truck by two white racists to his death, the Democrats said George W. Bush was responsible for that man's death because of his racist policies. You would think that if you were a real Republican conservative and the other side did that to you, that you might have a chip on your shoulder and be willing to keep fighting them because that's what they're doing to everybody. No, he desires a hug from an Obama more than anything that might be a success for the party that his family has made a whole career of being the representatives of. Well, this is the final show, and we haven't even done a break. Of, of the year, of the year. It's the final show of the year. I got this whole, you know, this is Bauer for you folks. I spend a good 10 minutes putting a list together of, of uh, show notes. It's the final show of the year, so uh, we were going to do some retrospective stuff. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. This is the Bauer and Rose Show on Sirius XM, the Patriot Channel 125, and the podcast, the Bauer and Rose podcast, at justthenews.com. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, let's get to it. It's the final show of the year. Bauer uh, heading off to Chris. But stream of consciousness. I got a, a, Can I do a 30 second Hanukkah thing here? Yeah, please. Take 45. I just. It's a long holiday. I uh, learned something in the last day or two. Today's the. Well, we're in the middle of Hanukkah. Hanukkah, actually, on Sunday, it'll be the last day. But. Um, the Book of Maccabees, Maccabees 1 and Maccabees 2, uh, for centuries, you know, Jews have argued and wondered what it was. You know, uh, Maccabees 1 and 2 didn't make the cut. It's not in the Hebrew Bible. And the argument has been, the discussion has been, why, why would this event that was so important, not just to Jews, but to the world, why, why would it not make the cut? Why didn't it get into the Hebrew Bible? It's in the Christian Bible. I didn't know that. Maccabees 1 and 2 is in the Apocrypha of uh, uh, 
the Christian Bible, the Catholic Bible, the Eastern Orthodox Bible. I'm not exactly sure if it's in the King James, but that blew me away. I didn't know that. I'm pretty sure it's not in the King James. Okay. Because I can, I can quote the Bible by heart. <laughs> oh, I, I got the first sentence. Which, by the way, the first sentence, which is out of, I assume it's the same first sentence in the Torah. It, in my view, it's the most important sentence in the Bible. In the beginning, God created. Right. If you don't believe that, then the rest of what follows is a fantasy. Right, 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 right. But anyway, my point was not that I'm amazed that I was stunned. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Why, it's, why the actual texts of the events of the revolt of 167 uh, B.C. are, quote-unquote, a bigger deal to Christians than to Jews. The, the, the explanation for why it didn't make the cut for us is because, and a lot of people don't quite get this, the the Maccabean revolt against uh, Greece was really a Jewish civil war. Right. And the analogy that I heard is that Judah Maccabee. Wait, 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 I'm going to let you go on. But is is this too simple? That some Jews were going native. Some most, Jews were, most, in, most, yeah, were, most were embracing Greek culture and forgetting their Jewish heritage. A hundred percent. And it turned into this vicious Jewish civil war. The Maccabees, uh, as heroic was they, as they were, engaged in some terrible acts of, of, of savagery and murder of other Jews. And that's why uh, the rabbis said, uh, we don't think this makes the cut. And Judah Maccabee, who's the lion of the story, the hero of the story, I heard a great Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, who unfortunately uh, died a couple of years ago, said the reason he didn't make the cut was because Judah Maccabee was to this story what Ulysses Grant is to, to our civil war. A great figure, but he killed a lot of people. It was a civil war. We don't celebrate that. We commemorate mm. it. We acknowledge it, but we don't. We don't celebrate that. Anyway, Man. that's. I, I had Tom, just. I mean, I, anybody that listens to this show, there is absolutely no way that they're not smarter at the end of it than they were at the beginning of it. I am amazed at our capacity to talk about a wide variety of issues and, and be at least 50% of the time accurate. <laughs> uh, it, it, that, was a, that was a wonderful insight on that. Now, folks, I'm going to let you in on a scam I have. I learned years ago that if I mention in front of Tom a book that I haven't read, lo and behold, he's such a nice guy that I will get unannounced the book <laughs> on my front steps. I once said I hadn't read a whole massive set of history books and he sent me the whole set 14 volumes will durant's the story of civilization and it's very 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 funny you mentioned that because because i already did it this morning you have the book the book is book yes the book you probably have already read it i haven't and i'm not through with it i'm only about a third of paul johnson the great historian the history of christianity the history the history that and it is I am embarrassed uh, and I am ashamed at how little I knew or even know. I'm only about a third through and it's developing into a history of the Catholic Church because that's just how the story is is unfolding. But um, I got to ask you these. Go ahead. Well, I was going to what, what I was going to say is uh, 
I'm I'm sure there are books that are only about the Maccabee uh, revolt. And uh, boy, I'd love to read one of those less than a thousand pages, preferably a hardback. <laughs> but I'll get around to it eventually. <laughs> no, no. I mean, we're we're going to leave uh, the Ukraine Russia war out of this. What was your story of the year? Obviously, it's Ukraine. But what? What? I mean, domestically, what is your story of the year? Well, Tom, that's that's tough. Uh, I. You know, I've been accused of being, um, you know, negative. So I'm, I'm going to give a negative story. The, the story of the year is that in spite of having a completely failed president who is failing on every level, I won't, won't take the remaining time we have to go through it all, and, and a party that stood by him in all of this failure and, and is laying us low in so many ways – in spite of all that, this year we had an election and we could barely win back the House. And Biden is seriously considering running again. And I no longer think it would be simple to defeat him I agree. because of the very things that we've been talking about, about what they've been able to put together. They could run a dead man and beat us unless we can figure out a way to break this monopoly on information that they currently have. The hero of the year. Oh, that's a, that's a, an, another tough one. Um, do I get to ask you any of these yeah, questions? Yeah, you can fire I, them I, back I, at me. Um, um, I got two. I, 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 got, well, I got three, actually. Two are foreign, one is domestic. Uh, oh, so we can, we can do, yeah. we can do foreign. Sure. Well, I mean, on, from, on a foreign standpoint, I, I'd say, um, uh, it, at least the success story of the year is that uh, B.B. Netanyahu came back from the dead again and uh, is leading his proud nation yeah. and is causing deep uh, uh, digestive problems all over the White House. State Department the, yesterday. I don't mean to interrupt, but it's fun yeah. to interrupt. State, sure Department, State Department yesterday, yesterday, Ned Price, quote, will be watching these this government's actions very closely and holding Benjamin Netanyahu personally accountable. I, I, wow. It's un, it's unbelievable. Wow. I mean, I, <laughs> yeah, the other I know this is this sounds like, a, you know, a, some sort of PR answer or whatever. Um, I, I would say another hero of the year domestically uh, it is the is the American people. Look, it, it, there's a lot of of stuff happening in this country. Um, and, and, you know, you've got cities racked with crime. You, you've got, you know, we still haven't recovered economically from COVID in many ways. And, and yet, you know, in spite of all the things going on, the inflation and so forth, there are still millions of people whose values are mocked, whose uh, children are targets of all kinds of insanity, who nonetheless get up every day, go to a job, work hard, pay their taxes, do their best in the little piece of earth that they occupy to stand for the right things. They're, they're, they're often mocked. Uh, you know, we, the, 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 the best thing you could say about somebody not that many years ago, Tom, was he's a good family man. Good family men today get the back of people's hands. Sucker, you know. 
toxic masculinity, you know. So there's all sorts of horrible things out there, and a lot of people are falling for it, but there are still millions and millions and millions and millions of Americans that love God, love America, love their families, and do the right thing. He's absolutely right, but I think he's filibustering because he didn't look at the list of questions I sent him. I, you said you spent 10 minutes writing this, a good 10 minutes. I spent a bad 20 minutes trying to decipher it. Here are my heroes of the year. And I, I uh, Asa Amini, the Iranian heroic woman who was killed brutally in a protest demanding basic rights as a woman, and the great Jimmy Lai, the mm. powerful... Yes. Uh, a billionaire, a billionaire dissident, <laughs> uh, passionate, passionate, committed evangelical Christian who is rotting in a Chinese prison, the great Hong Kong democracy advocate who spent a life uh, pushing for free press, pushing for religious liberty, uh, and he's rotting in a Chinese prison, and we haven't done a doggone thing to help him to raise his profile, to pressure the Chinese government. I think not only is he the hero of the year, but it also kind of demonstrates how flaccid our foreign policy is. Biden at his um, uh, press conference, his short press conference after his his uh, phone call with President Xi uh, said, That didn't come up. He actually admitted that Jimmy Lai wasn't, when he was prompted by a question. Now, if the one thing we know about these authoritarian uh, dictators, these these tyrants, is they hate uh, public attention being directed toward their victims. And this was a perfect opportunity to raise Jimmy Lai's profile. You've met him. I've met him. He's one of the most extraordinary men I've ever met. Um, comeback person of the year? I say it's Netanyahu. Okay. That, yeah, I mean, well, we, we agree, but with different titles. Uh, back on uh, the dissident point a second. Um, as you well know, in the Reagan administration, um, Reagan developed a relationship with uh, a, a group of, uh, of uh, Orthodox Jews based mostly in, in New York City. Uh, I, I played a role in, in getting them uh, to the Oval Office to meet with the president. And they became a source of tremendous information for the, the, the Reagan administration uh, about the, the, the specific uh, dissidents that were rotting in the gulag in the Soviet Union. And um, so they would supply those names. And the Reagan administration, at whatever level of interaction with the Soviet Union was taking place, if it was uh, the head of the dip, uh, the diplomatic uh, offices meeting with each other, if it was a presidential meeting, every meeting at every level, somebody would bring up a specific name of a distance. I want to before we go any further. I want an update on so and so. Well, uh, how do you know about him? Nah, never mind how I know about him. What is his condition? What is his health right now? We want to know before we go. And that that blew the minds of the Soviet uh, Union. They could not figure out how these names of people, you know, in Siberia and other places were getting to the president of the United States. And when they were brought up, these names were brought up. And when uh, Reagan would raise this in various meetings and so forth, later, when these dissidents got out of the out of prison, almost to a person, they reported they could tell 
when their name had been brought up because suddenly their treatment in the gulag got better because Soviets were worried, well, wait a minute, you know, they know this guy's name. What if they, you know, what if they take me out someday down the road or whatever? So it's a, it's a wonderful story, but it's also why it, it needs to be part of America's foreign policy when dealing with authoritarian regimes. All right, now I'm going to ask you for an outright prediction. What candidate, what Republican candidate will appear to be the front runner one year from today, December 20, uh, Christmas Day, uh, forget it, New Year's Eve 2023, who will be the presumptive GOP frontrunner? I think the frontrunner defined as in the polling data right, of right, the right. candidates uh, that it will still be Donald Trump, but that there will be a majority uh, that is split between four or five other candidates and it won't all be it will it won't be clear in for at least three months into 2024 best book you read in 2022 oh my gosh um i'm it it didn't didn't necessarily have to be published in 2022 it could have been an older book right uh, well, I'm going to recency has its own bias, right? So I, I'm going to I'm going to uh, uh, point to the book I'm reading now, which I have not finished yet. I think it's called uh, The Perfect Day, but it's written by it was written back in 1970. It's written by the same guy that wrote Rosemary's Baby, mm-hmm. The Boys of Brazil. And it's about a, a futuristic society where everybody has been smacked down into sameness. Uh, the world is run by a massive computer, and you are assigned everything in life. And one of the things that jumps out at me in the book, uh, Tom, is that um, every month you have to get a shot. <laughs> and in this shot they're giving you are various chemicals and so forth, which are suppressing male hormones, suppressing female hormones, and also making you docile. And it just seems to be, you know, it seems to have an almost haunting resemblance to some of the things going on now. No, that's that's remark- That's absolutely remarkable. You know, the scientific advances are tremendous. You know, they now can make um, female hormones. You just don't pay them. <laughs> <laughs> That was Tom Rose. His home phone number is. And I'll answer my favorite book. Well, you're right. Recency uh, has its biases. I'm I'm not done with the book. You've probably already read it. Zach Shores, This Is Not Who We Are. He's uh, out at Stanford, works at the Hoover Institution. This is a book... And I knew this all generally, but I never, it was never put into specific context for me. Uh, it, it's about America after World War II, about the unbelievable sacrifices that the American people made to save and help their defeated, hated enemies. There had never been anything like it in the history of the world. All the moral challenges that we faced after the war, uh, should we pummel Japan? Should we break up Germany? After all we went through, all the carnage, all the horror, all the death uh, caused 
by the worst war that ever was, created and started by the worst people that ever were, and Americans chose mercy over revenge. It's it, it, it sounds it sounds fantastic, Tom. Uh, but while you I'm, not, just, I'm, not, I'm not done with it, so I don't know. Yeah, no. Uh, while you're talking about this, uh, the thought came to mind. Did did American did Americans generally support that? Because I, I remember, you know, my father who was in the First Marine Corps Division in the South Pacific, and just like millions of people in, endured unspeakable things saw the the handiwork of the japanese warlords uh lost friends in front of his eyes had to just and he brought home with him oh sure dis, just despised Total anything justifiable related to of course he he told me you know that if if because i think uh, quite a few years later, you know, Japanese cars started selling in the United States. And he said, if you ever buy a Japanese car, I will disown you. I mean, my I mean, my father, who's a uh, was a, a Korean vet, was a little younger than 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 your dad. I'll never forget this. This is I don't know, probably 10, 15 years ago. One of my kids. This this is after the uh, Fukushima disaster. And his school was doing some kind of a drive for Japanese relief. And my dad says, you're raising money for the Japanese? But obviously there was support or it wouldn't have had bipartisan support in Congress. The Marshall Marshall Plan, by the way, this went on for 15, 20 years. Tens upon tens of billions in food aid and reconstruction aid. And uh, his point, this author's point, Zach Shore's point, was that nothing... Nothing even remotely like this had ever happened in the entire history of the world. There were uh, punitive pieces. There were less punitive pieces in all the wars. There weren't, you know, some uh, peace uh, were Carthaginian. Some were uh, a little less punitive, but nothing, nothing ever like this. Last question. Uh, I'll call it B-cubed. Bauer's biggest blunder. What was the biggest thing you got wrong uh, in 2022, other than agreeing to do this podcast? I can't accuse you of predicting a red wave, because we did two entire episodes in which you warned that it would not be a red wave. So what was it? What, what did you get wrong? Uh, I think my biggest blunder, boy, I, you know, this is probably when I stopped reading your questions, because <laughs> I, I had so many things that could fit for this answer. Um, uh, over the years, I, it's almost been a hobby for me to invest in the stock market. I started doing this when I was, you know, living in a blue collar home in Newport, Kentucky. Nobody in the neighborhood owned a stock. Nobody looked at the stock pages. For some reason, at the age of 10, I would write down the names of stocks. And if I had bought them, you know, what would they be for? And I've, I've done that all my life. But at any rate, uh, I thought, in spite of the horrible economic policies being pursued, that if I just did my homework, uh, I could have a successful year of investing this year. Whoops. Uh, and um, since I haven't told Carol yet, I'll announce it on the podcast, and we'll find out whether she's listening or not. Uh, forget that comfortable retirement, hon. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, it has been a brutal, brutal you're year. Ha- you're hardly alone. You're no, hardly no. alone. But in this case, misery does not love company. All I care about is I've lost money. (laughs) (laughs) Predictions for 2023. I've got, well, these aren't predictions. These are 
I guess, established uh, facts. Uh, this is the year that China's population will begin to decline. Um, and this is the year that India will become the biggest country in the world. I just want to know, will this be the year when heterosexuals become a minority in America? What's a heterosexual? <laughs> <laughs> is that a cisgender? With the, I mean, uh, let's not go down this road. I'm Did so, you see that report from? Yes, Stanford. No, no, no. This is that 41%, 41% of students at Ivy League colleges identify as LGBTQ plus uh, ampersand home key F9 delete. Uh, 41%. I'm not not even going to get into it. I I think the the letter that they're identifying with is B uh, because it increases the number of date possibilities. (laughs) If you're willing to... But it's uh, my prediction is, and it may maybe won't happen this year. Uh, it might take a couple of years. But I, I believe that both political parties are in danger of uh, splitting apart. We don't hear that much about the Dems, but there's big fissures right underneath the surface. And I'll guarantee you, Tom, if this little mini rhino uh, rampage that we've seen in uh, recent weeks on Capitol Hill, if that continues into the next year, uh, anybody that wants to be the Republican nominee should just forget about it because the, the voters of the Republican Party will not show up. This has got to stop. You can't keep voting for a party who, when it has a majority, you lose the things you care about in slow motion. And when it's a minority, you lose on fast forward. At some point, when you vote for a Republican Party and it has control, you ought to be winning. We had a few years under Trump, Pence, where that happened, particularly with Supreme Court appointments and tax reform and some other things. But it isn't happening enough, and it's certainly not happening on the values that the voters of the Republican Party believe in. Well said. Well said. Well, a merry, merry Christmas to you and all of uh, growing prosperous Bauer Nation. May God uh, bless you and your family with a year of uh, good health, prosperity, peace, and joy from all the grandkids. Right back at you. I have a wonderful Hanukkah. Um, You know, I want to encourage you in the good deeds that you do, particularly those that end up causing books to show up on my (laughs) front steps. And uh, and I want to say, Tom, that uh, we've done a variation of this on and off for a number of years. And then we've we've worked uh, together in government on great causes. It, It has been a pleasure knowing you is one of the blessings of my life. And uh, I think, uh, you know, time marches on, but I think uh, there's even uh, greater things ahead for both of us. Well, Merry, Merry Christmas to everyone. Uh, May God bless and protect you all. 